I'm Danny, That Witch Next Door, and you're listening to That Witch Podcast. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to another week and another magical episode of That Witch Podcast. I'm Danny, your host, your guide, your mentor and instructor in all things witchcraft, magic, astrology, and business. Danny, that witch next door. And hi, how is everybody doing today? I lost my internet tab. There it is. Sorry. <laughs> how are you? How has your week been? How the hell was your Leo new moon? How was your Leo new moon shadow work that I know that you did? Just kidding. You don't have to, no pressure. But you do have to do shadow work. It just didn't have to be on the full moon. I mean, the new moon. It could be either one. Anyways. Hello, hello, hello. It's been quite a week for me. It's been a really, really heavy and hard-hitting week for me. Not going to lie. We're going to get very, very real today. As you saw in the title of this week's episode, my tagline, I'm sure that you've seen before, real magic for real life. We getting real today because my tagline is so massively critical and important to my business, my branding, my messaging, and quite frankly, who I am as a person. I am, you'll hear me say it, you'll see it on my website and stuff like that. I'm all about that real magic for real life. This really, this phrase really encompasses many, many things. And that's really what I want to talk about today. But first, but first, where is the myth? Let's take a little look-see. Today, everybody, is Tuesday, August 10th, and the moon is in Virgo right now. We'll be moving into Libra tomorrow, Wednesday, the 11th. And then on Friday, we'll be moving into Scorpio for Friday the 13th, which is dope. So we're going to be moving into Spooky Scorpio, so y'all can go get your Friday the 13th on. That sounds awesome. That's exactly what I'm going to do. And then we're going to finish out the week with the moon in Sagittarius, uh, moving into the sign officially on Sunday the 15th. And I do want to make note that Venus moves into her home sign of Libra also on Sunday the 15th. So there'll be, or yeah, I got it right. Sorry. (laughs) I thought I misread my notes. No running out the week in Sagittarius as far as the moon goes, as far as our emotional energy goes. But Venus will be moving home into Libra that same day. One thing that I want to start off by talking about, because honestly, we're going to kind of free ball today. We're going to really, this is going to be a super, super intuitive episode. And that's the, that's that real vibe that I want to come across. So that's why I didn't super structure for today. But we were just talking about on the YouTube, on the pre-show tarot reading for our card for today, we, we were talking a lot about intuition and emotion and the importance of having a strong intuition and how to maintain a strong intuition. And so I really think that that's the best way to honor real magic for real life and explaining that on a, on a podcast episode. Cause honestly, it's, it's so hard to take such a big meaningful statement like that from my head and like how I feel it and see it and experience it and, and hopefully put it into articulate words for everybody. So we're going to let the old intuition guide her today. So like I said, we're going to hit heavy. I am going to preface 
this section of the episode with a trigger warning because I'm going to be talking about uh, childhood trauma. There's nothing uh, sexual. There's no physical abuse. But I will be talking about emotional neglect and parental trauma and um, inner child work and healing and things like that. I'll also be talking about death and, uh, yeah, parent-to-child relationships in general and childcare and stuff like that. So this is your trigger warning. If any of those topics are something that crosses your boundaries, that is absolutely okay to skip this episode today or at least skip for a little while. I'm really not sure how long this story is going to take. Most of you probably saw my stories last week on Instagram because, of course, the day I shared these things, I got uh, some of the most story views and engagement I've ever had in all of my time on Instagram, which is kind of a cool way to show you that it's worth it getting on social media and just being who the fuck you are because that's always the content that does the best, honestly, is just the most authentic, the the content that doesn't just cater to everybody. But most of you very likely saw my stories last week. I tried posting a reel and I spent a lot more time than I normally have to editing the text and the, you know, the cuts and all that stuff uh, for the reel. And I previewed it a million times and made sure everything was perfect. And the story is perfect for today with the Virgo moon because y'all will understand my pain. <laughs> I spent so much time like refining and perfecting this. It was, it's a really good reel. It's still gonna come out. Don't worry. I'll, I'll wait till the time is clearly right. But I posted it and the app glitched so much that the text on the video was so jacked beyond legibility. You couldn't read half of it, which it was an informative and educational reel. So it was the fucking point of it. Okay. It's not like, it's not like it was captioned. And if you're able to hear, you were able to turn the sound on and hear it. Like you needed to be able to read the, the, the text, sorry, on the video. And so I posted this big giant rant about it because I was so pissed. My intention when I first started posting to my story, the first like two slides, maybe three, uh, I think it's the first two slides. Anyways, my intention was to just get on Instagram and and bitch. I was going to tag Instagram and just go on there and rain hell and just rage because I was so fucking pissed. And granted, I'm sure that so many of you out there right now have had similar issues. And I'm sure you're really relating to me where you're like, yeah, fuck that shit. Fuck when that shit uh, glitches on you. It does suck. You are correct. But the point of me telling you how angry I was is I, it wasn't the real. I'm, I was pissed about the real, but it triggered such a deeply and massively emotional response because of something that had happened to me the day before. And because I was trying to post on social media and keep up with my business because that's what we, you know, that's what we have to do as entrepreneurs and business owners. You got to find a way to flow with life. I was trying to show up and do business on Instagram while I was very, very much in a trauma response and freshly into a brand new grieving process. A lot of people reached out to me that day. And that alone was one of the most beautiful forms of validation and affirmation I've ever received from my community and from the universe of just showing me like, do you see like when you create such solid, beautiful community around you, when you hold healthy, solid boundaries that allow for such good, such 
true support and love in your life? Do you see like how that is reflected upon you when you have to share vulnerability and you have to share pain? But as many of you know, who reached out to me, I didn't offer any kind of an explanation. And the truth behind that is not necessarily that I'm trying to maintain some super hard and fast privacy. It's more that this is such a complex and deep-seated situation and death that it has taken me some serious solid time to find these words and to find an accurate way to explain the situation. Now, I'm going to tell everybody what happened. I'm going to tell you who died. I'm going to tell you why it mattered so much. And the reason for that is because this is very deeply rooted in my childhood. And it is very, very much a part of who I am today and who I will become. And it's going to be a story I know that I'll inevitably be referencing in my in my work with my clients and helping my clients transform um, in my content and my messaging and showing up and with my community and sharing with them for their transformation as well as in my life. It's going to come up. It's going to be something that I always reference, especially in my parenting journey, because that's that's a huge part of inner child work when you're also a parent. I mean, there's, there's a whole funnel happening there. So I'm going to tell you what happened. The purpose of this is not to reveal like deep personal details of my life Um, in a way that I want to open them up for like question or speculation. I'm not interested in answering any specific like personal questions about the situation. Um, And I'm not interested in hearing any personal commentary or feedback about the situation in specific. My only intention of sharing it is for context later on. I'll, I'll reference this. And very truthfully and very real of me is this is part of my shadow work, is me sharing this. I have my Chiron asteroid, my healing and my trauma asteroid in cancer in my 12th house. And so my trauma response and my survival response is to retreat as deep and far down into my shell as I possibly can. But I chose my, you know, my higher self chose my Leo rising in this life for a reason. And a lot of healing can come from me taking the steps to be seen and allow these parts of my life to be seen so that I can much more effectively communicate and illustrate why the work that I do is so fucking important and why it matters, and why it's so life-transforming. That's the purpose of real magic for real life. And that's the purpose for today's show and what I'm going to share with you. On Tuesday morning, I found out that the woman who essentially raised me passed away the previous day on Monday. I had been made aware of this ahead of time. An old connection between us, which I'll explain. Um, Another person she cared for, this is a daycare provider. Another person that she also used to care for who remained in touch with her, I don't know if always or later in her life, uh, but remained in touch with her and had reached out to me a week prior to all of this and let me know the state of her health and um, even was able to let me know the day before she passed that they did make the official decision to remove the ventilator tube the following day. So in 
a in some ways and in a couple of ways I was somewhat prepared for this on Tuesday morning. What I was not prepared for was my emotional reaction because when that person had reached out to me uh, and shared that that news and those updates with me, I completely detached and blocked. I didn't allow uh, I, I didn't allow anything to come up. I not just emotions. I didn't allow thoughts to come in, nothing. I didn't do anything about it. I just, it was like she told me and I let it bounce off of me and onto the floor. And I responded with very loving and compassionate and polite responses, messages back. So when it was official, like, and when I say official, I mean, stupid as it sounds, posted on social media, the the RIP post, you know what I mean? I got hit by a train all of a sudden. Not literally, figuratively. Um, what happened was it hit me really hard. And I I, I just started sobbing. And I needed to explain to my husband the emotional state that I was in so that he knew, you know, what to expect in interacting with me that day and when he came home and also so that I could ask him for additional emotional support because it it was hitting me, you know, really, really hard. And when I pulled out my cell phone to text him the situation, I realized uh, he didn't know who this woman was because I never told him about her. Did you notice how when I started all this, I said it was the person that essentially raised me? And so, you know, is that weird that my husband doesn't know about it? Yeah. And that those are the thoughts that started coming to me, I mean. Uh, and so I realized while I was trying to explain to him, I had to kind of keep going further and further back in my like explanation and my timeline so that he understood the gravity of the situations and the emotions that I was having. And while I was typing this just novel of a text out, which I wasn't even intending (laughs) to be that way, it was like having 10 breakthroughs in therapy all at once while I was sitting there and first thing in the morning texting my husband. My daughter was eating breakfast. It was like eight o'clock in the morning. I had just posted um, promoting the podcast like a half hour before all of this happened. So what I explained to him and I'll explain to you and what the gravity of this situation is, is that I was put into daycare from the moment that my parents went back to work. I don't know a ton, a ton about who watched me and whose care I was under prior to this woman's, but my parents found her when I was six months old. So I was a, I was a baby. I was an infant when I went into daycare, which is super common. I totally understand. But I went to this woman five days a week from six months old, early morning drop-off to late night pickup until I was 13 years old. And I called her mom. We all did. Well, the core group of us. There was, it was an at-home daycare and there was a core group of us that uh, pretty much we're always there. Some people were only there seasonally, right? There's, it's a home daycare. There's people moving in and out, but there was probably anywhere from, from, I don't know, five to eight or 10 of us core kids at all times. And we called her mom.
when I talk about this, I get a lot of mental fog because there's so much resurfacing that I have suppressed that my brain is literally trying to process and understand it and put it in a timeline and put it into concepts that we understand. So I appreciate your understanding as I tell this story, the best ability that I have. It might not be as concise or as consecutive as maybe it should be. Uh, I was an only child until I was 10 and a half years old. And then my parents had my little sister. And they were, my mom was in her mid-30s. And my dad was in his early to mid-40s. Or, sorry, my mom was in her late 30s when she had my sister. And that's right, my dad was in his uh, mid-40s when they had my sister. And, you know, being 10 and a half, almost 11, I was technically 10 and 7 months when she was born. Uh, You know, we grew up completely differently and the same. It's really hard to, to describe. Uh, I'll answer your question right now. Most people have, we both have the same bio parents. They were married the whole time um, for both of our births and both of our pregnancies for each of us was planned. And no, there's nobody in between us, nobody before or after us. It's just me and my little sister. So I go to this daycare from six months old till I'm 13 years old, five days a week, early morning drop-off, late-night pickup because my dad was in sales and so his hours revolved around clients. My mom was in sales, so her hours revolved around clients. And there was a stint where my mom went back to school at night for a while. My mom traveled a lot for work and my dad worked uh, pretty late. And then he also had to work on Saturdays. So... Just truthfully, you know, there wasn't the same kind of bond formed there that other parents form with their kid that very much can be done working full-time. This is not an episode about why you should be a stay-at-home parent at all. When I was 13, I I was almost 13, I was like, 12 and and 10 or 11 months or something. I started seventh grade. And uh, the woman, my my daycare mom is what, you know, I called her to my friends. I called her my daycare mom or my daycare lady. But to her, again, we called her mom. She would pick me up after school in middle school. And if you live in America and you know anything about the dynamic from elementary to middle school, like that transition. Um, and then same for the transition from middle school to high school. You know, there's this big leveling up that took place of like, I want to be cool. Like, I don't want to get picked up by my daycare lady anymore. Right. I'm like, I'm, I'm cooler than that. I, again, she was very much another parent to me. And so just like any other parent, I was embarrassed of getting picked up by my parent. And I begged to take the bus and not have to go to daycare anymore because I was almost 13, yada, yada. My parents agreed finally. And I was allowed to take the bus home from school and I didn't have to go to daycare anymore. The timeline is a little bit fuzzy, but she retires coincidentally not long after this. I want to say it's a few months, maybe six months after I stopped going anyways. And I never saw her ever again. Ever. It's been 18 years. And then I found out that she passed away. That's the story, by the way. I have a lot of shit coming up 
a lot of memories coming up in the form of feelings. Because I have a Pisces moon in my eighth house, when I do inner child work and shadow work, it is through sentience, usually. It's through feeling, and it's very, very strong, like a vivid dream. I don't always see or, like, hear you know, memories like that. Like, it's not always like visions. It's usually a feeling. And so, because I've been doing a lot of inner child work, since I, you know, really dug into this part of my past and realized not only did I never see her again until I saw her pictures on Facebook 18 years later when I found out she was dying and then died, I didn't realize until that morning on Tuesday when I was texting my husband that I literally never told anybody ever about that whole part of my life. And like, that's really crazy with my husband just because we are so close. We have been close friends since we were 13 and 14. I met him in seventh grade. I met him on that first day of school, actually. Um, We didn't start dating, thank God, until we were in our early 20s. But but we were friends for many, many years. Uh, We've shared some of the darkest corners of our lives and past with each other. And so when I realized I had never told him obviously what came to me is I've, I've never talked about it to anybody, not even to myself. That little girl that I was, this little 12 year old girl, like nobody made it a big deal. I just stopped going and none of the adults involved, including her, attempted to keep any of us in contact. And so a lot of the anger that's coming up is you're going to make the choice to put your child in the care of somebody else for so long for their formidable years, for their, their most concentrated developmental years rip that from them and and give nothing to it. No, There was no space held for me. Nobody asked if I was okay or no, no, it never occurred to anybody because all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the second I stopped going to the daycare, to her, to my parents, to everybody, she stopped being my mom and she went back to being a daycare lady. And it makes me feel like I went back to being a business transaction. And that's why there was no emotional space offered or given because it it was a business agreement that ended. It's a rite of passage, right? Eventually, you got to fly the coop, blah, blah, blah. I get... (sighs) All of this, like I said, is resurfacing so much shit. But the reason that I'm bringing all this up is because of what happened to me by all of this taking place and and what I, I have to do now. And how, how I can use this, not in this hyperproductive, toxic, positive way, but I do want to use this for growth. Do you know why I want to use this for growth? Because I fucking refuse to continue the cycle. I refuse to take all this pain and anger and resentment and translate it just directly and just shit it onto my daughter. That's why I care. That's why I have to do something with it. And just so you know, if you're not a parent, 
you'll do it to somebody else. As parents, you know, you're pretty naturally going to put that shit onto your kid if you don't do something with it. But you're not, you're not absolved from this situation if you're not a parent. You'll just do it to somebody else. That's why I do the episodes on, on the shadow work. That's why it is such an integral part of this practice. Because otherwise, you're going to take that nasty shit ball of energy and not transmute it at all and not even remotely use it for a higher good or higher purpose. You just take it and you just shit it onto somebody else. And I won't allow it. I won't allow for it. Not in my life. I'm not doing it. In this community, in this house, in this witchy neighborhood, we're accountable. We're accountable people. We are not only accountable, we're authentic. We're our real fucking selves. And we have self-respect, which means we have self-care and self-love. And these things come from shadow work. These things come from inner, inner reflection and introspection. I'm serious. Don't forget to go listen to the pre-show tarot reading if you didn't hear it yesterday. This shit's important. And now with this moon in Virgo, post Leo new moon, why I want to do real magic for real life episode is because I do want to talk about like why, yeah, like why shadow work? Yeah, obviously it's important. Like I just explained, that's why shadow work's important. You don't want to take your shit and pass it on to somebody else. But then what? That's what I want to talk about today. Then what? What do you do after that? What are those critical first steps post-introspection, post-shadow work? I think that it's really important we talk about that because I myself am a huge educator and mentor for shadow work and emotional work. But I think that a lot of people forget to give you actionable steps following that catharsis. What do you do with that? I still have life going on. That's what I realized. That's why I was so inspired for today's episode. That's why I shared the nature and the and just the real story itself. That's the nature of the story. Because I needed to show you that this was something that I'm telling you knocked me on my ass. For two solid days straight, I couldn't do anything but burst into inconsolable sobs at any given fucking moment. Seriously. I had to use it as an opportunity to hopefully have good, open, honest communication with my daughter, who's who's only three, by the way, who can't possibly fully understand why this is happening to mama. But I got to figure it out, right? Because even though I'm experiencing all these feelings, and even though I have, have to give myself the safe space to experience it safely, that's the big key. And that means safe for you and safe for those around you. That's why that honest communication with my daughter is so important. Not only do I have to allow that for myself, my fucking life is going on. I have a whole ass fucking life going on. I know y'all can relate to this. I know that you can. Do you know why? Because I've also been on planet Earth the last 18 months during a global fucking pandemic. Because I have had client after client after client after friend after friend after family after family after acquaintance after acquaintance. Seriously that is experiencing some of the most major and massive blows to their life that they ever have thus far. I know that you can relate to this fucking feeling of drowning and barely keeping your head above water with just life. That's just with regular ass fucking life. And then somebody comes over and shoves your head under and then they do it again and again. I know you know what this feels like. What the fuck do we do? How do we do this? 
This is so important to talk about. The shadow work is important. Taking the time off that I did, doing the self-care that I did, it was fucking important. What do you do after that? How do you now integrate into your life? How do you reintegrate and reemerge into real life again? This is so crucial. This information is so crucial. I could tell you, I could tell you about those two days and what I did. I could walk you through it. I'm fucking happy to educate anybody on shadow work practice. It is an integral part of all of the services that I offer. You'll notice if you've had a session with me, you've done shadow work with me. It's just a part of what I do. It's just, it's just a part of the education because it's a part of the lifestyle. That's why. I'm, I'm happy to walk anybody through those practices. The meditation that I did, the very concrete, specific inner child work that I did. I'll share with you my journaling pages. I'm happy to. But I also think there's a lot of that information out there. I think that we're really putting a lot of that out there. What I'm not seeing a ton of is what do you do after all of that? When you have been triggered so deeply into trauma response, how do you keep navigating regular life after that? How do you keep afloat? Especially when you have dependence of any kind. How, how long can you allow yourself? It's, I st- we still have to be realistic about that. We can, uh, we can talk about healthy boundaries all day long and, and taking the time that you need. But that's also bypassing a lot of people that are caretakers. And again, I'm using the word caretaker for a reason. It's not just parents. There are so many of you out there who have dependents, people that depend on you. And so how do we take care of ourselves and make that space and time for ourselves and, and trigger ourselves or we get triggered. It could be either way. We can trigger ourselves or have an external trigger, right? And get into this trauma response and go through this catharsis process. And then what the fuck do we do after that? Well, funny, you should ask. Just kidding. I asked. I'm going to (laughs) answer. Whether you want to hear it or not, because it's important. Here's what I did. I brought my planner. I don't know if I've shown this one on the show yet. I'm pretty sure I've shown the honeycomb which I don't, I didn't bring down here. That's like a sin. I never forget to bring the almanac. Um, But my honeycomb personal astrological almanac, I will link it below. I always, I'm pretty sure I always link it. If I don't, I'll I'll start. Um, But I, I take that everywhere I go. And then this, this is my magic of eye planner. Isn't it so pretty? It is. And I was gifted this for my birthday by one of my very, very best friends. And I will officially be purchasing this probably for the rest of my life. This is one of the most handy planners I've ever had. It's a planner and a mini textbook and reference book and a goals and like intention planner. Sorry, journal. It's a planner and a journal and a little mini textbook and reference book in it. It is packed, chock full of value, okay? This planner is amazing. And I, this is not sponsored in any way. Just as a really important disclaimer, not sponsored. Super would love to be sponsored by them. I'm gonna keep putting that out there. Both Honeycomb and Magic of Eye. I I shout them out all the time because I just stand by their product so much and I use them every single day. So what I do is this is what the weekly layout looks like. And... This is the little, as you can see, you could see it if you're watching the YouTube video. Uh, this is what the monthly, monthly one looks like. Sorry, I'm moving around from the mic, everybody. You should watch the YouTube then and, you know, then it would be great. Okay. On the monthly one, you know, you have like monthly goals and monthly intentions. And then on the next page, it's broken down into four week intervals so that you can break 
the monthly goals and intentions down into, and this is, I'm just using their labels, into weekly goals and actionable steps. Then you get into the little weekly view here. And this is more like, like what a standard planner looks like. And then you can do your, your daily tasks and goals. And I also really love it because every week comes with, it has a little spot here for you to write your weekly intention, which I just find massively beneficial. So you should get the magic of eye planner. Here's what happened. I found out the devastating news and it rocked my world. And I decided to take the rest of Tuesday completely and totally off. I, I checked, I have my notifications turned on for Instagram messages. So I was able to, um, respond where I needed to. For the most part, I checked out and, uh, my daughter was with her grandma that day. And so I was able to have a super individual, airy, cathartic day filled with inner child work. And what I did was I, I realized that this was happening and that I, I needed to allow myself this space. And for me, because of my anxious patterns and because of my anxiety triggers, I, and because I've been working on this for so long myself and in therapy, I know my anxiety enough that I know to preemptively reschedule important tasks ahead of time so that I don't just allow myself this massive break, like this long break. Cause it was a, it's a massive break because I literally, I didn't do anything productive at all. And I didn't want to wake up the following morning be, and having to start fresh and look at it and go, what did I miss doing yesterday? What did I not do yesterday? And how do I fit that in today? No, 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 no. So the first thing that I did was I came in here and I rearranged anything that was possible to rearrange. I had one, one task I could not rearrange. And um, it was an appointment that was on a extremely strict deadline and I had to go to it, which was super hard. I won't lie. I really don't recommend going to appointments you know, outside of therapy, obviously, uh, when you're in a trauma response, it was something I, I literally couldn't get out of. So I did do that, but I rescheduled everything. Like I scribbled it out and assigned it to different days. And then I wake up in the morning and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do my day. Right. I had my day. I had my me day. I had my shadow work day. I'm good. And my emotional state had other, other things in mind. And I had to do a big emotional check-in, which we actually talked about on the pre-show today as well. And I had to realize for myself, this isn't happening. You need more time. And that sucks when that happens. When you're in, again, when you're in the middle of juggling real life and you take off the time, that's why I'm sharing this part of the story because this has happened to so many of us. You're like, all right, I took the day off. Somebody passed away. You know what I mean? Or I took the week off. They passed away or whatever it was. Somebody was in an accident, some kind of tragic traumatizing event. I took the time I needed. I'm so glad I did that. I am going to feel so much better tomorrow. Instead, what I learned from this experience and what I want to share with you to do next time and what I'm going to encourage myself to do next time is instead at the end of crazy ass hard days like that, um, no matter what it was, we'll call it a mental health day, but no matter what the reason was for your mental health day that you took, right? Your, your sick day that you took. Instead, treat it just like a physical ailment or a physical illness. And when you go to bed, say, I'll see how I feel in the morning and we'll go from there. Because no matter what, I can get up the next day and check in with myself, my symptoms, and we should start calling them that, right? Our feelings. I think that'll help them feel more legitimate to us and other people so that we can start normalizing taking this fucking time off because it's so important. Anyways, I can always get up the next morning and do the same restructuring that I had to do, right? Like I did the day before. 
I, I will always, always allow that for myself. No fucking matter what. If you're a business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're an employee, if you're a stay-at-home person, I want you to always give yourself that freedom and that knowledge. I can always revisit my tasks tomorrow and restructure if needed. Always. You can always figure stuff out. There's, like I said, was there one appointment that I had to go to? I did. And that might happen. I get it. There might be things you physically can't reschedule, but I know that there are going to be a larger amount of things you can reschedule and you can restructure or just let go of altogether more than you would think. There's always more on that list than you think. And when you finally revisit the the to-do list, if you will, you'll see that and you'll be able to look at it and go, yeah, I, I have to do that today. Like if it's a bill that's due, right? I'm, I can't incur this big extra charge or fee that's going to come. I, I do have to, you know, let's say I had to physically go somewhere to do that. I do have to go physically pay this today. But I can definitely, this was me, I can definitely record the podcast on a different day. It's obviously not going to be today. That would be like, again, being physically sick or physically hurt and being like, yeah, well, I'll still show up to like run the marathon. No, you will not. That would be a terrible idea. You will do very bad in the marathon because you're hurt or you're sick. That sounds like something you'll have to let go. So keep this in mind when you're looking at your tasks, okay? I want you to go to bed that night. At the end of these, we're going to start calling them mental sick days, mental and emotional sick days, okay? Intellectual, like your brain, gets to have sick days. Say it with me. I am allowed to have illness symptoms outside of my other, you know, physical body that are, that are solely within my mind, that are solely within my soul or my heart. And I am allowed to take care of those things until I am well again, because I'm going to go to bed tonight and I'm going to see how I feel in the morning because I can always revisit my tasks. I can always revisit that tomorrow. So don't say, don't do what I did. I'm going to get up and get it all done because it didn't fucking happen. Y'all didn't happen at all. Had a second super cathartic day. Didn't do a damn thing. Kind of kept trying to and really kept getting knocked back in the dirt every time I was like, well, I could try and like blog a little bit. No, I cannot blog a little bit. No, that is not what that day was for. So beyond some uh, schedule restructuring and things like that, then what? How do we keep navigating life with all of this? Did you say... all of YouTube say hi to Toots. Hey, Tootsie girl. Um, I, sorry, distracted by the dog. It's a good reason. Besides restructuring our schedule and rescheduling things, how else do we integrate and reintegrate back into life after really, really heavy sick days like this, right? Emotional sick days. Well, One of the biggest things you're going to have to do that I've had to do is recognize this is going to be a part of us now. I had to just really radically accept that. I have dug up some seriously deep feelings from my childhood that are very much translating into my present life. Those feelings, they're, they're not just getting dug up like, like I remember feeling this way. I feel it again is what I mean. I'm, I'm experiencing all the emotions again. I feel that way fresh. And now I'm just living in this new emotional, it's an old new, I guess, emotional state. So radically accepting this looks like me sitting down with myself very honestly. For me, this was able to take place on the the third day 
Okay. It's going to be different for everybody. Everybody's going to have a different healing and grieving timeline. Every, every death you experience will be that way. For this particular situation, for me in particular, this happened on the third day where I woke up and genuinely felt an improvement in my symptoms. Okay. Genuinely felt an uplifting in my emotional state. Feeling uh, more energized, a lot more energized. So there, there was a significant dose of motivation that came. But I have to be mindful that just because it's the third day and I spent two super solid fucking days doing some really, really effective mental health care, that does not mean I am cured or it's finished or it goes away or whatever. It's not that kind of an ailment. I don't even necessarily love using the word cure there. It's not about a cure or not. It's really similar to the quote that I'm sure many, if not all of you have heard, uh, that grief doesn't go away and it doesn't get smaller. You just make room for it. You just, you like grow around it. You expand beyond it. But it stays all the time. And in a morbid way, I'm grateful that I've had to go through the grieving process so often and I've lost so many people because I know my grieving process relatively intimately. Again, every single one is is different, but I, you know, I, I pay attention now to my thought patterns and my habits and subconscious um, cycles and stuff like that. And so I knew that on that third morning when I was like, well, I'm feeling a lot better, that in the past, I pushed myself on that day way too fucking hard. And I go overboard on everything on not just productivity, but just to be honest, like joy. I like overdose on happy chemicals. I like live it up that day. I have the happiest day ever. I I dance and sing all day. I get a ton of work done. I play and sing with my daughter. Like I allow myself to just like fucking swing to the other side of the spectrum. And here's what I've noticed about that. That is actually a toxic part of my cycle. It sounds like this good uplifting thing. It's not. This is not an effective way to reintegrate back into real life. Okay. What happens is now I'm really fucking with the chemicals in my brain. I've been on one end of the spectrum here one end of the pendulum, and I'm doing a full fucking swing. Well, what do pendulums do, everybody? What is the nature of a pendulum? What is the nature of a swing? What is the nature of the natural ebb and flow? It's going to go back. And especially with pendulums, when we're getting into like actual physics and stuff, not that I understand physics. I do want to make that known. But I do know this tiny fact that like something about when you swing a pendulum, you know, it's going to come back as equally, you know, the other way until it finally, until it's still. So what now I have started to do and be able to put in practice, and this is the next portion of reintegrating back into life through trauma and tragedy and catharsis and shadow work is uh, aiming for neutrality it's okay to aim for neutrality. Pretend that I have some control over how far I'm going to swing. You really should be watching the YouTube video. Do you see how visual of a teacher and a learner I am? Um, Pretend that this is you, you're right up here. And you have control over how far, roughly control, not perfect control, right? Still still our emotions. Um, But you can kind of gauge and aim how far you're going to swing. I don't want you to like numb and deaden yourself. That's not what I'm talking about, neutrality. I'm saying try to control the swing. Try not to shoot so fucking far into joy and happiness 
because it's going to slam and hurt so much harder when you come swinging back. Trauma processing and grief processing, people, this shit comes in waves and it comes in waves for the rest of your life. Like I said, it never goes away. That's why that first super important step is remembering like it's, it's, I'm just going to make room for it. It's never going to go away. And I probably will never be able to predict every single wave. I might be able to see some of them coming, but there is no fucking way in hell I'm going to be able to predict every single triggering wave, every trigger or every wave that of grief or trauma that comes back up. Okay. And that's why You have to kind of learn how to control the emotional swing. That's what's more beneficial so that you can learn to kind of give and take when the waves come just honestly for the sheer purpose, just so that it doesn't rock your fucking boat as much. That's where I need help. If you're an emotional person like me, like that's where I need help. I will swing so hard back and forth. I will have such deep highs and lows. And I've really, really had to learn mindfulness practice around this because there's plenty of, of those kind of symptoms in our brain that we can't control and that a lot of people need medication for and regulation for. But on a less severe level, like, uh, like mine, you know, there are tons of, of, exercises and mindfulness work that you can do to help stabilize yourself and help yourself not be so reactive. Think of, think of a pendulum. We're we're never going to stop the pendulum analogy (laughs) with the pendulum. Think of it like going crazy all the way as far as it can go one way, possibly all the way as far as it could possibly go the other way, back and forth. So aggressive. Try to be a lot more of like this natural, like not natural, that's not a great word. This, this softer, more receptive flow. Okay. This softer swing. So if something kicks you or there's something that you want to just drive super hard, whether it's into like depression and grief and anxiety, or again, swing super hard and joy, you can start to learn to control and practice your neutrality more and more often. This is one of the best best tips that I have for you. And, and like the actionable step that goes with it, if you will, is, uh, things like taking a breath, pausing in a moment, stepping back, physically remaining silent for a minute, allowing your thoughts to come in, having some thoughts about those thoughts, doing the emotional exercise that is in the IGTV video on my Instagram that I did for cancer season. There's lots of practices you can do to promote emotional regulation and emotional control, not in a toxic and rigid way, but in a way that it doesn't allow our emotions to control us and therefore control our life. Next communication. This is a huge part of the reintegration, all right? Especially if you got dependence, again, of any kind, even if that's coworkers depending on you. Um, Something, you know, as simple as, something as simple as that, let alone somebody that physically depends on you for their life and well-being at home. Um, Communication. You have to find a way to safely share what is necessary so that other people have a greater understanding and can therefore offer you both or either the support or space that you need, okay? When we self-isolate without any kind of remotely honest, open communication, you think that you're saving other people and you're not bro, I'm here to fucking tell you that you're not. I've done it too. I've done it too, where I'm like, well, I don't want to burden other people. Well, you end up burdening them in a hell of a lot of other ways by just keeping to your fucking self and not explaining anything and just dipping the fuck out. Again, 
find what information fits for you. You don't have to explain shit to anybody. That's not what I mean. I don't mean that you owe anything to anybody, like some kind of explanation, okay? Even dependents. Your your information, your privacy, and your private life and your details is always yours. You always have autonomy over that. But there is a way to communicate. Like, I am not as, I can't be as present with you right now and for a little while as I've been in the past. I can't. I'm doing my best. But right now, I'm not going to be very present. You can just fucking say that. I think a lot of people need that reminder. I need that reminder sometimes. I'm like, I can? That's all I have to say? Yeah, that's all you got to fucking say. If you want to share other details, go for it. That's fine. But don't apologize for any of it. And don't feel like you owe anybody an explanation. But you can totally, again, especially to people that you care about and or depend on you, you can just leave it very simple and direct. I can't be very present with you right now and probably for a little while. Done. That's all, that's all that you have to say. Okay. So communication is a huge, huge part of it. And then lastly, this is more of a really intuitive practice. I, I can't give like the most actionable did that, that like this is what you do. But you do need to be gentle with yourself. I know. I know. Oh my fucking God, Danny. Everybody says that. I know. Everyone says it to me too. But it is true. You do need to be gentle. And I think a lot of people are like, what does that even mean? Because we only know self-loathing and self-deprecation. So when you tell us, be gentle. The f- How? What do you mean be gentle? Here's a more specific word that I hope helps. Can you be more forgiving of yourself? Can I challenge you to be more accepting of yourself? Can I challenge you to use kinder, more sensitive words for yourself? I think I can. And I think you can. I think you can do it. This is what be gentle with yourself means. And I mean this always. Because again, this is going to be a part of you always. This shit, this big giant thing that happened to you, mine was, mine is one of mine, (laughs) is the big story I shared at the beginning of the episode. It's going to fucking be a part of me for the rest of my life. I'm not going to forget about it. It's not going to go away. It's, it's, It's part of my past. And now it's a part of this part of my journey. And 20 fucking years from now, I'm going to look and reflect on how it affected this part of my journey. And that's going to be a whole entity on its own. And so that's why that, that being gentle with yourself, that being forgiving and kind to yourself part, that's an always thing. Not just a reintegration thing, but I want you to try and be extra mindful of it when you're reintegrating, okay? Because you do. Every single time you're being super fucking hard on yourself, I want you to attempt to step out of that space and notice it. A, ask yourself, why am I being this harsh? Why am I, what is the purpose of my harshness right now? And B, would I talk to anybody else in my life this way, especially someone like I care about? You can't tell me you practice self-care if you never fucking care about yourself. You have to care about yourself in order to practice self-care, okay? Even if it's a tiny bit. We can grow your care, okay? We can work with whatever you've got. But if you just like blatantly don't care for yourself, like I need you to try your damnedest to step out of that and care, even just a little tiny bit, okay? Forgive yourself. Accept yourself. Respect yourself, okay? I know that this was a heavy hitter today. We still always goof around a little bit, which I love, but I know this was a heavy hitter. Last week kind of was too. I know that today's episode is really, really long, but I think it's one of the most important podcast episodes that I've ever recorded. I think it's one of the most important subjects that I've come on and shared about ever before. And I genuinely hope that this reaches you and resonates with you. I hope that you are able to take these these big reminders and apply them as as best and gently as you can. Because I love you and I'm grateful for you. And I want you to love yourself and I want you to be grateful 
for everything that you've done and everything that you're going to do. I'm leaving you on, again, some heavy yet cliche statements. And I just want you to know that I hear you and I see you and I support you and I'm grateful for you. And I know all the cool ass shit that you're going to do. And I validate all of the crazy shit that you've been through. And I'm here for you. Always. So thank you again, as always, for joining me, Danny, that witch next door on this episode of That Witch Podcast. And until next week, everybody, I'll see you later. Make sure you take care of yourselves. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening. You can find the video component to the episode you just listened to on my YouTube channel, That Witch Next Door. Follow me on Instagram at thatwitch.nextdoor, on Pinterest and Facebook at thatwitchdanny. You can send inquiries, artwork, questions, ghost stories to thatwitchnextdoor at gmail.com. And for even more magical goodness, make sure you visit my website, thatwitchnextdoor.com. Thanks again. I'll see you next week.